I didn't know it was heartburn, but during the week of meetings, I did feel like a little bit of tension in my chest. And for anyone that has been following me, you know, my father had passed away of a massive heart attack and he was in like great shape and health and otherwise. And so anytime I feel any kind of off with my heart, I'm a little precautious. And so I did feel tightening in my chest. Looking back, it was probably heartburn. And that's what prompted me to get the heart health test. I was also doing a lot more long distance running and an increased strain on my system. So I thought it would be good to just check things anyway. And so, yeah, we, we got the results back, saw that all the hormonal levels were in first trimester range. And I thought, okay, well, I'm either pregnant right now or I need to go to the doctor immediately and make sure something's not wrong with my liver or something else hormonally. What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here again with another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast. And today we're going to be shooting the shit with my wife, as she said. Before we jumped on the podcast, I was asking her, what, we sh- what should we talk about? Here today, and she's like, "Let's just shoot the shit." So we're 39 weeks such into a pregnancy. Yeah, but you said it. Um, so I'm, that's how we're opening it up. And yeah, 39 weeks pregnant, going into the last week, and we kind of want to do a really good job of documenting our journey throughout this process. And first and foremost, congratulating Erin for everything that she's done up until this point in pregnancy, especially when it comes to the health and fitness side of your life. So I think. A lot of today's discussion is going to be around from the moment you you found out you were pregnant until now, kind of how have you thought about health and fitness and what you've been doing to prepare yourself for the day of giving birth and then what you're preparing to do after you give birth. So is there anything you want to say before we just shoot the shit and get right into it? Let's get into it. Okay, cool. So we found out you were pregnant because of your whoop watch. Um... Both Aaron and I wear a whoop and it tells you your sleep stats and your HRV and how you're recovering. And in early August, Aaron was not recovering well and she has a very high HRV and typically has really good sleep. Um, it's funny because she typically, I'll sleep longer, but her sleep stats are better, even though I'm lo- technically in bed longer than she is most days. And this particular week, you were in the red for probably four or five days in a row and you were attributing to stress and work and we had a visitor in town, one of our best friends, Jeff, and yeah, it was 100 degree days and you were still working out and you thought that you were sick. So you went and got blood work and I'll let you take the story from here, but I just wanted to set the stage of like, that's how we found out you were pregnant was you thought you were actually run down. Yeah, so for anyone that has a whoop or is into tracking metrics like that. I know it's not for everyone, but I'm really grateful that I was already tracking beforehand because 
it's been really cool just before I get into the exact week of finding out from that, like this whole journey and being able to document how these metrics have changed through the different weeks and through different trimesters has been really cool for me to see and visualize. Um, maybe it's the engineer in me that w- likes to visualize how the pumping of the heart changes as the body grows, but super cool and um, learning a lot about that. And there's really not a lot of research out there on pregnant women and how these biometrics are affected by pregnancy. So a lot of the data that they're collecting is new and being used in research. So super cool. But back to that week. So you're right. I was working really long. I remember preparing for uh, staff meetings where we were having a bunch of people from our Latin America team come in and North America. So a bunch of executives were coming in and I was preparing for a week long set of meetings Um, and lots of long hours, lots of late work dinners. And like you said, I was at that point doing a lot of physical activity outside in the heat too, keeping up with my training. And I was just attributing the low recoveries to that and just being exhausted, being like a little bit more stressed because of the work situation going on. Um, And I figured, all right, I'll just give my body a break from the running. So I remember that week after like two days in the red, because it was pretty rare for me to be in the red. Pregnancy aside. What is the red? The red. Oh, yeah. So for anyone who doesn't have a whoop, red is a recovery. uh, Basically, a span of green, red and yellow. Yeah. Green means that you have scored, I believe, a 69 or 70 percent or higher on your recovery. And what goes into recovery is a few different things. It's how much strain you had versus the amount of sleep you had versus how high your HRV is. So if you want to look this stuff up, you can look it up at whoop.com. But just to give you a general baseline, there's green, red and yellow. And typically on your green days, it's like giving you the green light to just push it on your yellow days. It's like, eh, watch out. Maybe you're coming Maybe you're a little bit stressed and you're you're coming down with something um, or you really pushed it the day before. And then red is like, OK, maybe you should do some recovery today. Yeah. So it, it's kind of a score that indicates your readiness to perform that day. And if you're in the red, the general guidance is, you know, pull back. Maybe don't do that long run. Um, swap it for something a little bit more low impact or walk or just relax and give yourself a rest. So that's what I did. And four or five days later, still getting red recoveries and just was not feeling well. Um, Not from like a sick, like I'm going to throw up standpoint, but just knew that something was off. And as someone that's pretty proactive and in tune with my body, I was like, I just need to get checked out. I'm going to go get my blood work done. I think I know which tests I need to order. And so I did that. And thankfully here in Texas, there's a bunch of, we go to any lab tests now. So if you ever, if you're in Texas and you ever want to get a panel of blood work done, uh, you can go in there and pick from a whole menu of different tests that test different biomarkers and you can get it back. Um, You can have a doctor interpret the results. um, But I knew which tests I wanted to order. So I did. And Which was what? I ordered the Women's Health Comprehensive Panel, which is a full panel of all of your hormones, essentially. And I ordered the Heart Health Test, which tracks um, several like inflammation markers, but also indications of any kind of stress that could potentially be on your heart. Um, So it's also like a cholesterol panel. 
think I got one more. What was it? Might have just been like a general blood test. And you get your results back pretty quickly. One of them I got back the next day. And I'm walking along the lake. And I think you were out somewhere. Okay, you were it's at a Saturday. Squatch at the gym on Saturday morning. And I'm on the lake by myself. And I see an email come through. I'm just kind of like leisurely walking. Check my email as I'm walking. And I see, okay, you got your results back. So I'm like, all right, I'll check it. And as I checked it, this is the hormone health test. I saw all of the ranges like completely out of normal range. And on this particular panel, it'll show you the range and it'll indicate like you're either in a certain phase of your menstrual cycle or you're in first trimester, second trimester, third trimester or post-pregnancy, I guess, was the, the other. And um, it was all indicating first trimester. So I, immediately in my mind, I was like in shock. And but we need to backtrack here. So you actually had a symptom that I knew. Yeah. So CJ, was, CJ is the type that will claim that he knows. He, no, no, no. He knows that. I I've knew that when you're having a heartburn, that is a sign. An acid acid reflux is a sign of being pregnant. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know it was heartburn, but during the week of meetings, I did feel like a little bit of tension in my chest. And for anyone that has been following me, you know, my father had passed away of a massive heart attack and he was in like great shape and health and otherwise. And so anytime I feel any kind of off with with my heart, I'm a little precautious. And so I did feel tightening in my chest. Um, looking back, it was probably heartburn. And that's what prompted me to get the heart health test. I was also doing a lot more long distance running and, and increased strain on my system. So I thought it would be good to just check things anyway. And so, yeah, we, we got the results back, saw that all the hormonal levels were in first trimester range. And I thought, okay, well, I'm either pregnant right now or I need to go to the doctor immediately and make sure something's not wrong with my liver or something else um, hormonally. So call CJ, let him know. He's like, all right, taking a test when we go home. And we did that. And needless to say, two different pregnancy tests came back positive. And we were in a moment of just like, wow, this is happening. You know, like for us, we mentioned it on the podcast before. It wasn't really intentional at this time. We were at a point in our lives where we felt like we were ready if it were to happen. And so we're, we're very grateful that we're here. But yeah, it was, a, it was a surprise to us. And especially considering I thought something else was wrong. So for me, it was actually, I was thankful that that's what it was and it wasn't something more serious uh, health-wise. So from that moment on, uh, I'll go into how I adapted everything. I took me a couple of days to mentally process. And then, yeah, I don't think you changed much. In that, in that first month, you didn't really have to to change that much. Um, but yeah, run us through like, okay, so you find out that you're pregnant and like, what are some of the first steps? Cause a lot of the things that you've been doing throughout this process, you've been picking up along the way because we have never been pregnant before. So yeah. we don't know what to do. So what is One of the, like, first the first things steps? I did was I, being as into fitness as I am, I felt like there was a lot I didn't know. Cause again, I wasn't planning to get pregnant at this exact point in time. So I didn't feel super prepared in that realm of things on how I should adapt. So I decided I was gonna get certified in pre and postnatal fitness and started learning about all the changes that your body goes through and how you should adapt through the different trimesters. So I 
initially didn't change much. I would say I probably scaled back a little bit of the intense running in the heat um, and, you know, extreme physical fitness from a like functional standpoint, kind of scaled back. But I was able to pretty much keep up with with activity. Yeah, I would I would say you didn't you didn't lessen in the first trimester. You didn't lessen your duration and you didn't lessen the actual moves and what you were doing. You just lessened the intensity. I will say I started to do a little bit more impact low impact. So I started going to bar classes. Um which is something that, you know, I used to be a bar instructor. So it, it, I go through phases of that kind of exercise. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to stop running as much, I'm going to replace that with some classes that I enjoy that I know will be good for me. Um, so I started doing that. But you're right. I didn't really. Well, where did you get your certification back. from? Um, it was, it's an online, I don't know what it stands for, but it's AFPA. Yeah. So you got certified, but like run through, like most people, their immediate reaction to being pregnant is, isn't like, I'm going to get certified. I'm going to learn something new. But for you, you wanted to protect yourself from doing any harm through that workouts that you were doing. So you get certified. What did you do? Did you go on Google? Like what were you researching to find, to land on that certification and why yeah, that particular? Yeah. I mean, I chose, there's, there's a couple different ones out there. I chose one that seemed to be from an accredited source and looked at, you know, the reviews and what kind of content you learn, what kind of resources you get, and was really looking for something that at the end of the course, I feel confident that not only would I have the tools for myself to get through this pregnancy and adapt in ways that I should be, but also to be able to coach others through it and design workout programming for other new or expecting moms or even through the recovery period. So something that encompassed that as well. So postpartum and how you heal the core, get back to fitness, because um, that's important to me to understand and also be able to help women with. So that's- What were your takeaways the, from it? The takeaways are that um, there's a lot that changes. I think the biggest takeaway is that there's a lot of myths out there around how women should not uh, work out during their pregnancy and not do certain things, um, but there's really not a lot you can't do. Uh, you just have to be a lot more mindful of the impact it could have on your, your body from a stress standpoint and obviously protecting the baby. There's moves you don't want to do, but from a workout standpoint in general, like you should be able to stay active the whole way. Um, and that I do attribute to how good I felt this whole time. I think a lot of it has to do with how active I've been committed to being. So. What were some of the signs that you saw in that first trimester with your whoop scores and stats? Definitely my heart rate variability um, plummeted. My resting heart rate increased by about 20 beats per minute. Uh, so for perspective, Prior to pregnancy, my resting heart rate was in like the low 40s. And no. Yeah, it was. No, it was 45. Not. It was like no. 45. It was like 48, 49. I could literally pull your stats up. I'm going to okay. call, I'm going to call BS on that one. Okay. It was, I know it was like 48, 49 because you're right around where I am at 50. Okay. And then you raised to like, if we're going to talk about this stuff, it has to be legit. Okay. You, your heartbeat raised to like the mid 60s. Yeah. Yeah. And, but and like even, 20. 
because 20 is is a lot like you you raise like 10 to 15 beats per minute well the last time i was at the doctor they said my heart rate was 76 and that's yes because that's not your resting heart rate when you when they were checking your heart rate and you're moving around that's not your true resting heart okay. rate resting heart rate when you sleep versus when you're moving around is going to be much different right so there's a lot of variables but for perspective my resting heart rate we'll say was in the 40 to 50 range and it shot up about 15 to 20 beats per minute uh, through pregnancy. And heart rate variability was in the mid-hundreds. Uh, heart rate variability is a measure of the variability within, well, we can we can Go look, look that up <laughs> if you're listening to this. Yeah, I, I won't, I won't, I'll save you from that definition, but that's the measure of how ready your body is to perform. And so- It's basically a resiliency metric. That's yeah. what it is. It's tracking how resilience to stress. And so it was in like the mid hundreds and through pregnancy, it dropped to out of the lowest, probably like the forties. Yeah. But you've been averaging. So for 70. anybody listening, like I'm, uh, pregnancy has turned on protective mode in me and just like really dialing into her stats and making sure everything's okay. And so I've been watching like literally every day her stats, um, but I would say 70s. 70s has been like the the relative range for, for most of your pregnancy, which is still good for most, for a lot of people out there. Um, but the 70s was your general, I would say, foundation. And then now that we're later in pregnancy, it's increasing, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. So the, the natural inclination is that when you get pregnant, your stats are going to be impacted. So your heart rate is going to go up and your HRV is going to go down, which makes sense because you're going to be using a lot of resources in your body to produce a human being. Mm -hmm. So, and your blood supply has to increase. You're what? pumping pressure at a faster rate. Um, what were you going to say? What were some of the mental things that you were going through when you first got pregnant? I'd say actually mentally. It's been an interesting switch. As I've reflected on the time period in general, the whole journey, I think I've done a lot better of a job at managing stress and anxiety. Uh, so I've actually felt a lot calmer through this. And mentally, I think that's an interesting, I wouldn't have expected that if I were to guess, you know, um, how I would be impacted I would think it would cause more overwhelm and stress but I think it's brought an interesting perspective to life where I've just been able to compartmentalize certain things in a different way and manage life a little okay better. go into detail go into depth I'm trying to get you know. to like uh, what more detail you okay want. why I don't okay, know you cut out coffee so that's going to reduce well, that, anxiety that could, that could be one hypothesis yes yeah, so the, the cutting of tell caffeine some stories here Cut out caffeine, CJ wants me to share. Um, I'd say. How much caffeine, caffeine were you drinking prior to pregnancy versus after? I was probably having, I don't know, multiple, Too much. multiple cups of coffee a day, at least three. Um, and, you know, like one to two in the morning and then one to two in the afternoon. Uh, so, yeah, it's probably too much. And. <laughs> So if you're listening to this, I'm trying, like, we're on this podcast and the podcast is to be as valuable as possible to you. So 
one of the things that we have to spotlight is what life was like prior and then what life was like during and then what life is going to be after. Sure. And that's going to be the most valuable for people. So Aaron is an extreme go-getter. And when you're a go-getter, uh, certain times and certain things that you utilize to maintain that aren't necessarily always the best. And yeah. the thing is like, when we're thinking about like the worst case, worst things, like having an extra cup of coffee a day is not the worst thing that you could be well, doing. What's in interesting about it is that even despite the amount of coffee I was drinking, I really didn't think it had an effect on me. I was like, uh, yeah, like I'm just numb to caffeine. Like I'm immune to it. So see now we're getting somewhere. Yeah. So, I think a lot of people fall on, uh, fall underneath I didn't think it impacted my sleep I thought the afternoon coffee was just something that I enjoyed really and I I didn't really attribute it to an extra edge um in the morning yeah I I definitely felt like I needed it for a little bit of stimulation to get me going in the morning but the afternoon I was kind of just like this is an enjoyable drink and you just cut it cold turkey right right when you're cutting cold turkey actually my body rejected it I was like the smell of it, I just did not have an interest, which I was really shocked by because that when was When did you a get staple. that back though? Because you do, you did start picking up decaf. Yeah. Um, and I think the decaf, I, I still get a little bit turned away by the taste and smell despite having decaf, but it's something about the routine that I, and like ritual of coffee that I enjoy. Uh, so I guess mid second trimester, I was like trying to introduce it again in decaf form for that purpose, but have not had caffeine uh, this whole time. I'd be interested after you give birth, if we switch up the type of caffeine that you have, what type, what, what you, one, what you would feel because you haven't had it. And then two, because for me, like I don't drink coffee because of the way the coffee, the, the caffeine from the coffee makes me feel and the acid of the coffee versus like other types of caffeine. Uh, I would say it does give me an edge, especially with like, having to train and then use my brain and turn that switch on and off a lot. Uh, Cause when you're doing intense training and then you try to like go and sit down at your laptop and, and turn the brain power on, sometimes you can, you need a little bit of fuel and a little bit of gas and, you don't, and you the don't, caffeine does help. You're not like a tea drinker. So tell them what your caffeine intake typically is. Yeah. So in the morning, um, I always drink this drink called Focus Aid. Um, it's by uh, a company called Life Aid. And the reason that I stumbled upon this is I had the founder here on my podcast way back when, um, I, th- I believe in 2020. And they offered me to like try some of their products. And I tried this one product called Focus Aid. And it essentially is caffeine from yerba mate and then like some nootropics and then B vitamins. And I realized like in the morning, this like makes me go from zero to like lit up and I feel great and it doesn't have any side effects. Like you ever try to not have it and see what happens? Yeah, I feel the difference. Like if I don't have it, I don't feel as lit up, as charged. Um, And is that a good thing or a bad thing? Like I'm I'm of the believer. It's like we live one time here on this earth. So if if you can find some things that are going to bring more enjoyment to your life and there's no science that it's going to kill me drastically quicker, um, then, then go for it. Um, coffee was not a good feeling for me, so I didn't do it. And then I would say in the afternoon I have, I'm a big trial guy. I trial different products. So we were at Central Market the other night and I picked out three new products that I haven't tried before. Uh, one's a, a matcha, 
Uh, one's like a another type of yerma mate, uh, and then this like plant based drink, what, what caffeine got drink. What got you to pick those three up? Was it the branding? Usually, it's branding, and then I just make sure that there's like no suc- sucralose. Anything that I'm going to drink consistently can't have certain um, ingredients in it. So things that are like going to pre- preservatives, sucralose. Uh, I don't really mind sugar as long as it's real sugar um, because I, I burn so much energy. I'm just burning that sugar off anyway. Um, so that's really what I look for. And that's kind of how I operate is, I mean, most days it's just one in the morning and then on heavy training days and days where I'm, I'm going for a pretty long time. Uh, and I just don't drink any caffeine after 3 p.m. So like that's kind of my rule. But it's been interesting to watch you because mentally that's the biggest change that I've seen with you. Like how many times I've, have I just been like, you're glowing. Like you're just like, your energy is just calmer, calm and, and amazing. And not to say that you didn't have amazing energy before, but like be, being how, around how you, you all the time. How would you describe how I was before? I would say you're on your, on your, your negative side is neuroticism. Like that, my negative side is aggression and, and, um, uh, I don't know what the word is for it because I'm not like aggressive in a way where I'm going to hurt somebody. Um, irritable, I would say, like aggressive and irritable. That's mine. You don't really get irritable even when you're super tired. You're you're pretty calm, cool, and collected. But neuroticism of like this needs to be here, that needs to be there. Why didn't you do this? And why didn't this happen in a certain way? Um, I would say that I believe prior to pregnancy, you're just how you went about life and, and caffeine intensified that. Um, and I think it do, that does that for a lot of people. Like it intensifies whatever that it, in a good way, it'll intensify things. And then yeah. on a negative, like if you're tired and you're drinking caffeine, like it's going to intensify both arenas, the negative and the positive, uh, just being aware of that. And I, I'm also curious though, how, I mean, sure. Coffee might be a factor in this, but how much of it has to do with the hormone changes? Yeah, so that's, I'm really one of the things that I'm thinking about is mentally preparing for a very different experience postpartum where all those hormones are going to plummet naturally. And I need to make sure I set myself up to handle that and not let it get the best of me and get those bad traits. And that's the the beauty of the having the sauna and ice here at our house. So one of the tests that we're going to be doing once she gives birth is I think a natural habit for a lot of women out there is, and and men, when you're feeling depleted, is to search for something to put in your body, just like we were talking about the caffeine. And I don't think necessarily when you go through trauma, that's the best way to handle things. And I'm very excited for once you go through this experience to then be able to sit in a sauna and sit in a nice bath and sit in front of the red light and do some things that are natural healing modalities that isn't really yeah. putting something in your body to stimulate you in any which way. Uh, so we'll be documenting that, but I'd love to not get too far off track here and jump into the second trimester and what you were experienced there and then how you were kind of like programming your life during that. Because then once you're in the second semester, you're starting thinking semester. about like second semester. <laughs> it's kind Think of a college. semester. Yeah, it's like a semester. Um, second trimester. Um, some schools did have trimesters, didn't they? Or, yeah, yeah, they ha- Yeah, they did. Um, but second trimester of pregnancy, you're starting to think like, okay, now we're like three to six months out and like the next phase, I'm actually going to have to slow down and start changing things with work and things like that. So 
what was going through your mind and how are you programming your life in that second, in that middle second part? Second trimester was busy. Uh, from a work standpoint, I was doing a lot of corporate travel and I felt like I was resilient to that. I felt like I could keep going. And I think right around the holidays, which is when I hit around six months pregnancy, I started to feel like, okay, it's time for me to slow down in that capacity and cool the travel a little bit, make sure I'm home and resting a little bit more. Uh, because even though travel can be manageable, you're still not in your own bed. You're not doing your own routine. You're eating out a lot. Um, and it's just, it takes a toll on you in ways that you may not realize until after the fact. So I was able to manage, but I, I definitely acknowledged that that was something that I had to scale back in the months ahead. So second trimester, it was busy from a work standpoint. Fitness-wise, I kept up what I was doing. I didn't change much. I still focused a lot. Ran a half marathon. On strength. Uh, I did run a half marathon, which was a highlight. But I will say that running took a backseat, and my priority was really around maintaining strength. So um, this is the first but time I've actually I, Not ever... just maintaining strength, but what you started integrating more lifting in. Yeah, if you want to call it lifting. I, I think... I would. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I take that as a pass from you because you're Mr. Fitness. But I... I... Trav is going to laugh if he hears that. He calls me Mr. Fist Fitness in, oh, in our really? texts all the time. Uh, well, yeah, so... I never, this is interesting because prior to pregnancy, I would describe my fitness routine as being very diverse. I always wanted to keep running because I like to feel like I was maintaining my endurance and running. Well, you love running. Uh, and I enjoy it. Um, I would say I wasn't strict lifter. I'll put that in quotes. Um, no, I'm going to give you some shit here. And the reason she, why? She didn't want to lift most uh, times. I would say it's primarily like when I would think about lifting, it's too, I, I think that for me, the hesitation was a lot around like you have to focus on different body parts and you have to have certain days dedicated. You have to, I'm putting in quotes, because I think there's a way to incorporate lifting and resistance training in your life that doesn't have to be as structured as it may come off as being. Um, but it was just boring to me. So I and you gravitated also towards you, you fall in line with the, you used to fall in line with the mindset that if you lifted heavy, you were going to get big. I'd say I used to fall in line with that. And that's like years ago, but I think there's been a lot of knowledge out there now that shows that that's not that's not the case. Yeah, but I wanted to preface that because there's a lot of women that still think that. And then yeah. on my flip side, because I'm not just going to point the finger, I'm going to say I didn't run because I thought that would inhibit muscle growth and, mm -hmm. and strength. And it's actually having a running routine is I'm, I'm stronger now and more fit and I can endure more in all arenas of right. fitness because I integrated that in. So I just wanted to speak to that point because yeah, what you point. believe has a big not you as in Aaron here, what you believe if you're listening to this has a big is a big factor in what you actually achieve in life and what you can accomplish. And yeah. if you believe one thing that's not necessarily true and you're not seeking the truth, 
it's going to cause. But, but, and I would say my style of fitness was like to do more functional full body work anytime I was not running. And by full body work, I mean like high intensity, high, not, not always high intensity, but like you're doing quick lunges with weights in your hand. So you're working your upper body and your lower body and you're doing moves that incorporate your whole body essentially. And Funk, I would describe it as functional moves, so moves that help you function better in life. Um, they're not like using machines at the gym and things like that. So that was my style, and primarily because with my schedule and having some days where, you know, maybe all I can fit in is a quick run, um, if I was able to do a full body workout, at least I felt like I was working my whole body and not, you know, just neglecting certain areas. But through pregnancy, I've definitely shifted that and pulling back on running has allowed me to prioritize strength in a different way. So I have been doing more dedicated days of like upper body, lower body, full body, deep core work, and then mobility. And I've really enjoyed it. I think having to slow down for a purpose has helped me enjoy it more versus in the past, like I said, I wanted to get in and out and be efficient and with my time, not having a lot of time and slow workouts just weren't intriguing to me. But now I see I the think, benefit. I think something pregnancy has caused in you is to, when, when you do slow down, you start asking like, what's the most effective? Not necessarily what's the most efficient. Like what's the most effective routine that I can do with my time and that's where I think lifting, lifting becomes effective in a lot of ways for preparing for pregnancy. And when I say lift, I'm very loose with that term. Like you can interpret that however you want. But in, in my eyes, it's picking up a certain amount of weight for a certain amount of reps for a certain amount of sets with the intention of gaining strength, not the intention of raising your heart rate and sweating. And that's something I've noticed in you. The difference has been when you go into our garage gym here, the goal isn't to exert yourself to the point where you're feeling depleted. The goal is to exert energy to gain more strength, to actually feel better the next day and the next day and the next day so that when you do give birth, you're feeling strong. And then once you're in postpartum, you're recovering more. If you're feeling depleted going into birth, that's just a bad ripple and you're trying to create the, the positive ripple. And that's what I've seen the, the training that you've done in the gym. It's very inspirational to me because you have been able to adapt and not just adapt in the physical way, but in the mental aspect of, okay, I need to change how I was going about what I was doing. That's not easy to do. You haven't ran in how long? When's the last time you, you went for a run? Probably three months ago, two and a half months ago. How has that, has that been easy? Has that been something you've thought about? It hasn't been as hard as I thought it would be. I think this has been interesting, an interesting experiment because the reason I stopped running through the third trimester was not really because I was having pain or discomfort. I just really wanted to give myself a genuine break from it. I didn't want to put any mental or physical pressure on myself to maintain running just because it was something that I was doing. <laughs> I, you know, and sometimes mentally we're like, well, it's something just because I've you always can been. doesn't mean you should. Right. And I was thinking about 
the pelvic floor and the importance of relaxing the pelvic floor as you get uh, closer to birth and running puts a lot of pressure on your body and or a lot of strain as well. And so I was just like, is this a necessary thing or would would walking maybe be more beneficial in a slow walk? I think that's a great word. And is this a necessity? Yeah. And And I also think like watching you, I think when it's something that you enjoy so much when you do have, I would say this like completely different body, like you've Yeah, it wasn't the same. You've put on like 40 pounds, almost 30 to 40 pounds in your pregnancy. It's not the same. It's not going to be the same running as what you're used to. And when you're thinking about, is this a necessity and should I put myself through this stress? What could you be doing in replace of that? That actually is enjoyable. And that's where I'd love to ask you, like, has the flip. I also don't want, I also really didn't want any of my workouts associated with body image in pregnancy. And I think that's huge for women. I think you're going to see your body changing in in ways that you never fathom and it's completely out of your control. So no matter how intense you work out, your body is not really going to change. You're not going to see aesthetic results and that should not be your goal. Your goal should not be to work out to to decrease the amount of weight gain you have through pregnancy. So I almost just felt like running, you know, if that was going to hinder the amount that of fat or support that my body needed to grow, which is a weird feeling to to have to think like oh maybe I shouldn't run because maybe my body needs this like homeostasis of weight gain um, that maybe running could inhibit and maybe it's not the best for me so that mindset was a new one and and one that I think is really important for women to have. Well, let's flip it into nutrients. What? How has your eating changed? First trimester, second trimester, third trimester. I would say first trimester, I was a little more all over the place with cravings and I I noticed a huge spike in my appetite. Second trimester, I think it leveled back out to what I was used to eating. Um, This is also how I knew you were pregnant. I forgot about this story. Cashews. No, was it cashews or almonds? Yeah, it was a big bag of cashews. Cashews. So Aaron comes home with this. Aaron doesn't eat cashews. This is actually before I knew I was pregnant. Yeah, this is before we knew. <laughs> but I put two and two together after. I mean, Aaron I eat cashews, not, but not on no. the regular. I've never seen you come home with a bag of cashews, let alone a jumbo bag of cashews. <laughs> and so we were staying in this Airbnb for the summer because we sold our other house and we're waiting for this house to be built. And I come home and I open up the pantry and I'm just like, were these big ass cashews like here prior to us getting to this Airbnb or did you buy these? And she was like, yeah, I bought them. But she ate maybe like a handful of them and then never touched them again. <laughs> no, the so when weird, I look back, I'm just like, oh shit, like that was a crazy. The funny that she part had of this the story moment. is that like I specifically went to the HEB to get these cashews. <laughs> and I don't know why I picked the biggest bag that you could possibly pick, like the jumbo size, that even the cash register the person at the cash register was like, Do you want this? And I was like, Yeah. <laughs> I do. And I took it home and I had a lot of them and I was like, whoa, that's a lot of cash. I hope whoever stayed at the, the Airbnb after us got some use out of them. Well, yeah. So that was that was an interesting indication. But so those kind of cravings were first trimester and I'd say my appetite spiked a lot. And I was like, this is this is new. 
Um, but then second trimester, I think things leveled back out and I was eating more like I was pre-pregnancy. And then this third trimester, I'd say appetite has increased a little bit again and I'm eating a lot throughout the day. I think it helps me to eat more frequently throughout the day because um, there will be times when I feel a little nauseous. Like I actually feel that a little bit right now. So I already had a whole smoothie this morning that I would consider to be a pretty substantial nutrient dense meal. And it's only been like two and a half hours and I'm already like, I need something. So that kind of frequency has been a little bit of a change. Um, Have you been focused on like your distribution of protein, fats, and carbs? Definitely been focused on protein. Uh, and actually, I haven't been focused on carbs at all. I would say like that's not a concern for me, but protein intake, making sure that I'm having enough protein and then not being scared of fats like that's that's something that again women I think sometimes think you can't have fats and I've gone through a phase in life where I was like kind of scared of fats and felt like I couldn't digest them well there was a time when I couldn't digest them well but now you know I can eat a bag of cashews and <laughs> just kidding um but no I, I make sure I have more um, like cashew butter we've been putting cashew butter in I a lot have of different things. avocado um ghee butter I put that on a lot of things I eat meat that isn't, you know, 99% lean. I have seeds. What else? Cook with olive oil. These are all things that, like, back in the day, I just didn't do because I was like, oh, my body can't digest it. I think there's a little bit when of fear. The, I, yeah, but it's for your hormones. Hormones, hormonal health is, is fats are vital yeah. for hormonal health. And as your hormones are fluctuating throughout pregnancy, like, that's where that comes in, where it's, it's extremely important for you to have the distribution. And, and to clarify, you said you didn't, you don't look at carbs at all, but that's because the way that we operate and we eat, it's just like, we by nature just are eating protein, carbs, and fats in almost every meal that we have yeah. because of what we purchase from the grocery store. So if if you're listening to this, the way to have a healthy distribution is just to make sure the healthy distribution is in your closet and in your refrigerator. And if it is, and your meals have that healthy distribution, the byproduct is healthy hormones, healthy digestion, and feeling great. Period. Right. So it's really just what we've done is since you've been pregnant, we've been ordering groceries a lot more than we used to. Um, one to save time, but also to just like get in a groove of what do we need. And it's, it's been super helpful because we just stack up on the protein. We stack up on the, the seeds and the, and the fats, that, the avocado, all the other fats that we eat. And then the carbs, which I would say sweet potato, rice, and things like that. Um, so it's, it's really, I would say, structured is the word. Um, our eating is structured and we kind of eat the same thing. That's because um, we have the system down. Like we know what are the staples that we get on a weekly basis. So we don't really have to put a lot of thought into it. I will say you're eating more desserts than I've seen you eat before, which I love because I, I eat dessert every day. So seeing seeing you enjoy baking and, and making desserts and allowing yourself that flexibility. Uh, yeah, to, to have that has been very enjoyable for me. So that's something I hope that you keep after pregnancy. So let's get to this last last section here of like third trimester, this is where you've really started to not only notice a change physically, but having to start adapt mentally to slowing down and shifting gears on what life is going to look like. 
starting to read new books. We went to a doula session and learned about baby 101 and how the doula is going to help us throughout the birth birthing process. So give us a rundown on the third trimester. Yeah, third trimester is when I was really like, okay, it's getting closer and now I need to learn all the things. Uh, so I took that a little bit more seriously. I just felt like in the second trimester, I'm like, I have time. I don't want to continue my life. I don't want to drastically change anything yet. But third trimester, I will say, I agree. I doubled down on really learning about all the things that we're going to be in for. We did hire a doula, which I'm really grateful for. And I think I'd highly recommend, even though we haven't gone through the birth yet, I can already feel the value of somebody to share information that is kind of all over the place online. And, you know, for us to be here kind of without family, I think it's helpful. And so I've done a lot of research. I've done a lot of uh, preparations. So what, where's your research? How do you go? What's your process? A researcher, like what do you, what Just specifically Yeah, like what, how about? have you like learned it all? how did you find the doula? How did you find anything that had to do with putting, getting the room together and all the stuff that I see you do on a daily basis? Where are you getting this information from? Well, I haven't really thought about how I've done the research. I just do the research, but I have learned a lot from. Okay, let me. So, Aaron, I'm I'm trying <laughs> for in the future. I'm I'm working behind the scenes to help Aaron package the knowledge that you have better. When you're thinking about how you do research, yes, you just do it. But there's certain people that you can shout out here. There's certain products that you can shout out here. There's certain services that you can shout out here. Everyone listening on the other end of this doesn't know how you went about doing that or what those actually are. So when you're thinking about this person on the other end of this mic here, like that's how you're going to break that down. So just as simple as that, like what TikTok, Instagram, uh, blogs, Pinterest, what, what did you learn from? Who did you learn from? What services or products did you learn to utilize and why? I will say, um, someone's asked me recently if there's any books that I recommend, and I didn't find a huge amount of value from any books. I think there's bits and pieces of different books, and I can share that in a different forum because I don't have all the titles off the top of my head. But a lot of the information I did find was through the internet, blogs, um, looking for first-time mom, just general advice. Um, I also got a lot of help from family. My sister, who has an a almost two-year-old and is also pregnant, my cousin, who has two kids of her own, uh, have been extremely helpful in sharing knowledge. Um, but there's just so much that you don't even know to ask. So um, I didn't think about the doula until I was thinking about, okay, postpartum, we don't have family here, so I might need some help and was doing research on Austin-based doula companies and was initially going to have uh, a postpartum doula. But then when I started exploring what a birth doula does and the, the resources and services that they provide, I decided that what I was actually looking for was that, was someone that could assist us with the labor and delivery process. and kind Why of were we more interested in that versus the... Post. Post, and I might revisit this one when, when we're post, but 
the services that a postpartum doula provides is typically like nighttime relief with your baby. So allowing you to get more sleep, cleaning up the house, doing some of the feedings and changes through the night. And that was just something that both of us thought, you know, it's going to be really tough, but let's get through it. Like we can do that. And you know what, like family is going to come and hopefully they can help us a little and bit. And we, we also house. value privacy. Like we're, we like to have our alone time and we already knew family was coming into town after that. So if lacking a little bit of extra sleep, um, was going to be the path, but give us a little bit more privacy just to be alone. Um, that was the decision that we made. It might be different for other people though. Yeah. And maybe, you know, once the baby's here, we feel like we, we do need more help. But um, <laughs> the birth doula services are more around uh, making sure you feel confident and prepared for the birth experience that you hope to have, given not everything can always go as planned and there's a lot of uncontrollable circumstances, but they do help prepare you in ways that your doctor may not be able to. And so I've already experienced that, but also they're advocates for you during the birth experience. And both of us coming from experiences in the medical world where we felt that there were things outside of our control, maybe things we wish we knew before going in that we could have asked questions about or had more of a voice in. We just felt like having someone there that was very educated and experienced yeah. would be helpful. I look at it as simply as like, if we're talking business and we're in entrepreneurship, you hire consultants to, like when you don't know how to do something, you pay good money for a consultant to come in and teach you. And this day, giving birth is the most important thing in our lives. So spending money to have somebody there to basically consult for you and help you feel confident in that time frame is something that even just having that two-hour meeting with her and, and learning was a breath of fresh air. And I, I highly recommend it. Um, you said that books weren't something that you really looked into, but you are reading a book right now called Outlive. Yeah, it's unrelated to pregnancy, but it's health-focused. Um, Dr. Pierre, Peter Atia is someone that I really look up to as an influencer in the preventative health space. A lot of his research is around the science of longevity. Um, so his focus is around um, really avoiding the major the major diseases and high-risk factors for death um, by improving our lifespan and health span, as he calls it. Um, so it's been nice to, to read about that in my downtime and kind of reaffirm some of the behaviors and habits that I've instilled and incorporated into my daily life and that I hope to continue to do. And yeah, I'd say I also listen to a lot of different podcasts. Um, I've kept up the podcasts around Okay, which longevity which like Peter Atiyah's, Tim Ferriss, Dr. Andrew Huberman, so the Huberman Lab, um, but then also some of the birth podcasts. I, it's hard, I actually found that there's not a lot of podcasts around labor and delivery, but I found a couple from doulas and uh, labor and delivery nurses and nurse practitioners uh, that have been helpful. So, um, again, I can link them. And Is there, what, what, what social accounts have been helpful? Variety of social accounts. I think I, I follow some of the new mom 
fitness accounts just for inspiration. Um, even though I feel pretty motivated, there are times when it's nice to just see someone else going through it and keeping it up. Uh, so I've started following a lot of other moms kind of in a similar stage of their journey as me who have continued fitness routines. Um, there's been a lot of helpful resources on Instagram around baby's sleep, uh, breastfeeding, and just general new mom knowledge in, in general. So I think Instagram and TikTok have been <laughs> good sources that you know didn't exist 30 years ago. So I'm fortunate that we live in a time where you can get a lot of information. It can be overwhelming. And there's times where I'm just like, I cannot consume another baby fact right now. But there's lots, there's lots out there. All right. Last two questions. We're going in towards week 40. He's going to be coming out soon. What do your workouts look like this week? And then what are you looking forward to most post giving birth? Workouts this week. Uh, I'm going to keep up what I can, but definitely incorporate a lot more slow stretching. There is something called the miles circuit, which is a series of poses that helps baby descend into the pelvis and get in position for optimal labor and delivery. So I'm going to be doing that. I'm going to be doing some of the like yoga type movements to really <laughs> slow down, focus on my breathing, focus on mindset, and really just get in the game because this is a physical feat. Um, I'm training for it like I would any other athletic endeavor. And a lot of that is mental. So for me, it's going to just be a lot of mindset, nervous system, balancing, and just relaxing as much as possible, which is tough, but a lot of downtime. Um, and then what am I most excited for? I'm excited to not be pregnant anymore. And I'm excited to really just have a new part of us to grow with and well, be selfish with us. this answer. Like personally, what? personally, I'm, I'm really excited to get back to some routines that I've had to stop. Like I want to go into the sauna and, and get back into the cold plunge and do things that make me feel rejuvenated that I haven't really been able to do. I'm excited to get back into running eventually, um, pushing the stroller and <laughs> adapting in ways like that. And yeah, I, I think there's, there's so much excitement ahead, but those are some of the things that I can't wait to do. Have some awesome. sushi. And part of your, your workout routine this week is you got, massage coming up here tonight yeah. so kind of put you in that relax. Re relaxed state and and continue to work on your mobility and stretching and, and breathing um and then on the other end of this podcast and the next time you're on here we will have more information on what it's like to be a new mom so thank you for joining me here today if you listen to this podcast and it was impactful or helpful to you at all and you think there's somebody else out there that could utilize this knowledge please share it with them Give us that five-star rating and review. And until next time, I will talk to you later. This is CJ Finley with the Thrive on Life podcast. Thrive on, y'all. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, 
I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.